thank you for coming back and listening to the Art and Jacob Blue America podcast. This week, we are going to tell you the story. The story of a woman is so beautiful, so loving, so caring. Until one day, this beautiful woman lost everything. The man of her dreams break her heart so bad. Break her heart so bad that she take her children and she drowned it in, in a river. Now this woman, she realized what she had done. And she was damned for all of eternity process this pain by searching for those children she mercilessly drowned in the river. That woman's name, La Llorona. So stick around, I will tell you more about this story and hopefully, if you're lucky and if you're good, Let's hope La Llorona does not come looking for you. Enjoy the show. New York Ripper. New York Sorry, Ripper. The New York Ripper. Like, say New you? York Stripper? I'm like, no, that's not right. That's what were you right. trying to find? Uh, nightmare in a Damaged Mind. Bullshit. You were trying to find a different kind of stripper. <laughs> Don't fucking lie. Don't you fucking lie to me. That's a great movie. By the way, one of the most violent movies, and it's like that 70s violence. If you ever <laughs> want to see like straight up grindhouse 70s violence, um, Nightmare in a Damaged Mind. Oh my God, dude. So, dude, there's a scene where the, the dad is like tied up and the mo- mom and dad are having sex. And the kid comes in with a fucking, like, sledgehammer and, like, <laughs> kills the mom. And so, like, the mom is, like, headless dying on top of the dad. And they're still having sex for some reason. Oh, my <laughs> God, dude. Great movie. I was going to say, I, I don't know how I feel about the fact that you're giggling while you say this. And then they get to that part. Like, no, this is floating around on YouTube, like, for little kids oh, to it's watch? A, it's a 70s grindhouse movie. But if uh, you can find it on the internet. Oh, okay. You can find the trailers on the internet, yeah. Oh, okay. It's but not I, just... That's why I wanted to send you guys that trailer because I was like, that's so fucking crazy. I don't think you guys would believe me that that's a real movie. <laughs> wow. The shit that like, came out in the 70s, man, always like fucking surprises me, dude. Uh, one day I'm going to buy a projector, like a full, because I had a really shitty projector like two years ago, but I need a real projector that could let me project shit during Halloween. We got to have some like grindhouse, like popcorn movies. Dude, we and put... we should project it like on my garage door. That'd be fucking white. Dope. So down. That'd be fucking dope. So down, man. And it's like super Mexican too to have we like a party do in your front. Halloween right mm-hmm. this year. Hell yeah, have Can a fucking say- party in my front yard and shit. That's super Mexican. Fucking Mexican block party. Hell yeah. Just tell your neighbors to block off the. Oh, by the way, one of your neighbors is like my coworker slash like really good friend. I saw him like literally when I was leaving. He pulled up like him and his girlfriend. And they're like they had Domino's pizza and they gave me one slice and I was like, all right, I gotta go. I gotta go pick up a chair. In my oh, cul-de-sac? Yeah, he Pizza. lives like two houses down. You're going to have to point it out to me, dude. Whenever you see a fucking silver Hyundai with the Denver Broncos logo, like two houses down that way, that's his car right You're there. pointing oh, wow. towards the backyard right now. Well, but like, I no, no, don't, this so front yard? Way, yeah. Which front yard? But I, saw, but I saw that Denver Broncos decal when I pulled up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah. he's he was parked like... down. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, goddamn. There you go. I forgot which yeah. oh Cicada three three zero one that's the one he was like you should do Cicada and he lives on my street oh man. right you were telling about that or you telling us about that shit actually that might be on fucking uh, uh, on record for posterity and whatnot I don't know anyways guys speaking of shit that's super Mexican <laughs> I was trying to do a crying woman's voice <laughs> that did not sound like a crying woman. <laughs> That's all I got. Oh now, arts trade is not fucking uh, voiceover wow. work. So, mis hijos, ay, mis hijos. That sounds like a Vicente Fernandez. That's mine. So the reason why we chose this topic because uh, I'm sorry. What was the topic again? La Llorona. 
that wasn't nearly as fun as the first time. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, the reason why we chose this topic, Eric the Interrupter, is because in a couple of days, it is going to be Cinco de Mayo. The least, Definitely. The, the least, least Mexican, Mexican holiday. Mexican holiday. <laughs> so, uh, you the know, Battle we have of a tri- Puebla. What's up? Yeah, we're with that. Where the Mexicans fought the French in hand-to-hand combat. And so every year we have a tradition to do, uh, you know, like last year we did, you know, Chupacabra, uh, to do like a Hispanic, you know, themed uh, episode. So this this year is La Llorona. Which makes sense since the movie is coming out. But that we are no way, shape, or form. Uh-oh. And we oh. might know a producer on that, but Ooh. we're saving that well, maybe for that. episode sure. 100. Yeah. So Ooh. shout out to that guy. Uh, shout out to Warner Brothers and that shout out guy. to the CW. We love you guys. Love everything you do. Everything. So, um, yeah. So, what does La Llorona mean, Art? You're the most Mexican one in this room. Um, so, what does it mean to me? That's no, like no, a, no, 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 no. What, what does, does it mean in general? What does it mean? Oh, What's it means the, the crier. And... Yeah, the crier. The crier. But in female. So, because it's la. la. But, yes. It, it would translate to the crier. And uh, why Why is this this person so this is, crying right this now? Is, this is a tale. Actually, even though I'm the most Mexican one here, Jacob might know the most about it. Yeah. Because as we were uh, talking about, I don't know if you want to get into it right now, but me and Eric, we did not grow up with La Llorona, even though we're the two more Mexican ones in the room. That's true. And as the most Mexican ones, I'm trying to get the specific going right now. Salud. Here's the single of the mile. With my Coke Zero. With your Coke Zero. Salud. Salud. I got my belching beer. All right, right then. Anyway. Yeah. So um, I was very surprised because I said, hey, let's start this you know, episode out. Because I'm sure you guys being 100% Mexican and I'm me only being half Mexican, you guys probably grew up with the tale of La Llorona. So I was shocked as fuck to, um, to hear that you guys didn't. Because most Mexican people that I know grow up with this tale. Because it's basically a tale that Mexican parents and relatives tell, you know, young children so that way they don't stay out late and don't go wandering and getting off into trouble like the Goonies would. Yeah. So the funny <laughs> thing you say that you, you say that this is kind of a warning tale the Mexican parents tell their kids. For me personally, the um getting hit by a belt was <laughs> the warning. <laughs> we didn't need La Llorona. There was nothing scarier than getting hit by a belt. Yeah, so there was always stuff going on in the house. So my, my whole thing was, you know, do this, do that, you're gonna do this, you're gonna do that. Oh, you wanna go somewhere this weekend? No, you're going outside, you're pouring concrete. You're mixing and you're pouring concrete. We need to build we need to build a patio, we need to do all stuff still. like that. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> he's getting ready for that job at the, home. The depot. ultimate you got two things that are scarier than La Llorona. It's like either the belt or like a chancla. It, it, it was it was one of those things where it's like, you know what? I wish La Llorona would come. I would hope, you know, at least that, that's how it would have been if we had known about that. At least it's a quick death. Shit. Yeah. But anyways, for me, okay, I'm half Mexican. That's why we always make the joke, you know, the greatest <laughs> podcast with two and a half Mexicans, right? But when my dad was around, like, he would sit around and he would tell me, like, these scary-ass stories about La Llorona, about El Cucuy and fucking all, all of them. You know, all, all the guys, the Chupacabra, all that shit, right? And um, the funny thing is, is it wasn't scary to me because I don't know. I guess I was just always a man, you know, at you know one, two years old or whatever. <laughs> He's but, been a man ever since he was a boy. But <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> but I will say this: the character I did grow up with that kept me from you know staying out late and fucking you know doing naughty shit was my mom would say, "Hey, I need you inside the house, or fucking Jeffrey Dahmer is gonna come and eat you." <laughs> oh yeah, you do say that. Yeah, so it's That's just right. you have told this side before. Yeah, so it's like I used to go to bed like just afraid because remember that show, A Current Affair? Like, they yeah, would always do like, oh, Jeffrey Dahmer, the fuck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my god, dude, that just brought back so many fucking memories. That stupid sound, <laughs> dude. Sound there was like... some fucking uh, between that and like Unsolved Mysteries and America's Most Wanted. There was some traumatizing <laughs> fucking TV shows out of that time when we Not were only kids. that, but they had really iconic sound effects. Yeah, Hell yeah. And so, yeah, I just remember just, like, my mom would watch that every night, and then we would see, like, Jeffrey Dahmer, and that dude used to scare the shit out of me. And she told me, yeah, he's going to break out of jail and eat you if you fucking stay out late. So that, for me, my half-white, half-Mexican ass, that was my lawyer when I was fucking Jeffrey Dahmer. But, um, yeah, most most Mexican children that I know, like our friend Ben and uh, other friends that we have, you know, they grew up with this tale. And it is basically, like I said earlier, it's just a way f- um, to, you know, to warn against children from, you know, going out and staying out really late yeah. and doing bad shit. Because if not, La Llorona is going to come and take you away. So you guys want to get into the actual tale so our uh, listeners know what the fuck we're talking about? Uh, yeah, so La Llorona starts off. Uh, it's, there's there's a couple of slight variations on the, the story itself. A couple of details are different. Yeah, Just we like, can get into it. Any like slight locations. Like, yeah, yeah. It's it's basically what I, what I found was uh, the, the location... 
is Atzlan, quote-unquote. And what that is is basically it's the mythical birthplace of the Aztecs, which, for all intents and purposes, is the entirety of northern Mexico and southwest, southwest U.S. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that is the Aztlan, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, um, which is which explains why there's a lot of stories, uh, not a lot of stories, a lot of uh, um, people saying they know this story from, like, you know, uh, uh, well, northern Mexico or, like, you know, southern California or Texas or mm-hmm. Arizona and whatnot. But if you go to, like, Chicago, which I think is the third uh, most populous um Mexican population, not Hispanic, but Mexican specifically, it's not as prevalent a story up there because yeah. they're not in the Aztec motherland. You know what I mean? They're mm-hmm. not in the Aztlan. So, um, but what it's supposed to be is there is supposed to be some indiscriminate little village, which, of course, whoever's telling the story, it's El always. Pueblo. Exactly. It's always <laughs> their village. You know what I mean? It's yeah. always where they're from or where they My are right now. Or... She was a medicine woman in the Pueblo and she knew Maria. Who is the La Um And uh, it's it's a tale of Maria. That, that is the one thing that seemed consistent. Was yeah. her name is Maria, no matter what. Which, which is like I mean, every Mexican woman's name. That's my mom's name. That's my grandma's name. That's legit. <laughs> it really it is Maria. Yeah. So, um, but uh, so it's the story of Maria, who is this beautiful, gorgeous woman who dime piece garnished the attention of all of the men of all ages within uh, uh, her particular village, whether they were. Um, Taken or not, you know what I mean. She 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 uh, created a few impure thoughts. Let's say, you know, a couple of people thought about, uh, you know, risking it all just to try to get a bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> but she was the original Instagram <laughs> thirst girl. But she's she's uh, for the most part, she just kind of is playing around. She's not taking anything too seriously until, and this was the most common uh, story that I found until this ravishing man. Came into a poor little village, and he was born of great wealth, and he belonged to uh, uh, a family like rich. He came from. He was a blue blood. Yeah, he, he was, was a Mexican nobleman. blue blood. He was a nobleman. I mean? he was, yeah, exactly. And uh, a lord. She. He became enthralled with her, and she reciprocated. And then he asked her to marry her immediately. Yep. And. Um, his family, of course, being from you know extreme wealth, and uh, her family being from meager, meager, meager uh, beginnings or whatnot, to say the least. Yeah, um, their family didn't approve because you know he was like a you know we we have these characters. Yeah. Um, and this is a time frame too where you know like you had the um, Cortez that came over, you know the mm-hmm. pure Spaniards or whatever, and then you had you know the indigenous tribes. So you had a lot of you know racism going on yep. where you know class clashes basically and you know the father didn't want his bloodline basically to be you know tainted you know by this peasant basically right his son was marrying into poverty mm-hmm. and he didn't want that and so you know the son was like oh, i'm in love and so i guess he <laughs> builds like a, a house for them you know outside of this village or whatever right. away from the family and uh, she bores him two twin sons and um bears him bears him bores him bears him Anyway. As it gives whatever uh gives gives him two twin sons or whatever and he at first like he's you know he's the, the model father or whatnot but eventually you know he starts staying out coming home late then he doesn't come back for a couple of days sounds it's, pretty mexican it's yeah. that whole story of you know fucking tiger woods and the and the waitress you know what mm-hmm. i mean like you've got you've got this the envy of all of the fucking village at home but evidently he wanted something different god why he wants more <laughs> he starts staying out, you know, a couple of days. Then he starts staying out a couple of weeks. Then weeks turn into months. And then eventually it becomes where he just doesn't come back at all. And so the story goes, uh, she's walking down, you know, the riverbank. And all of a sudden she sees, you know, a horse carriage come. And, you know, she starts to recognize the face on the man in the carriage. Uh, but he's sitting next to a very, very, very beautiful woman who's even younger and more beautiful than she is. And the man gets out of the carriage, acknowledges the two boys because they're his sons or whatever, you know, gives them some treats or whatever, and totally ignores Maria. And gets back in the carriage and rides off. And by all accounts, uh, by the vast majority of the accounts that I read up to this point, when he was back in town, when he was checking out, he was with the kids. He was still the doting father, but he completely ignored his wife. Like, not even just like, you know, just barely acknowledged her, like. Mm-hmm. Straight up, she was not there. It was just him and his offspring, and that was it. Yeah. And so she's already starting to feel as fucked up as it is. She's starting to feel jealous of her own children. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then you add in this new woman and oh what what fucking ties does she have to this man anymore yeah and so then she becomes enraged when she when he gets back in the carriage and takes off with his new dime piece wife or whatever who i guess is an actual noble woman and so she goes into this fit of rage throws her children in the river uh drowns them and lets them float down river and then once she comes to she realizes what she'd done she jumps in the river try to tries to rescue her children but it's too late yep they've already passed away and so in a you know another fit as of we re- all know mexican people don't swim well <laughs> i know i don't i don't fuck with no rivers yeah actually that's true i don't I we really live don't we live yeah. in the by the killer current yeah so. yeah once you grow up when you're mexican and you grow up next to a river called the killer current you don't fuck with no rivers no yeah. which is crazy because the current river is literally like two feet deep like my half white ass is like how the currents it- underneath sir yeah, will drag bad. you down <laughs> yep there's that big old sign on the way to Lake Isabella. So many people died since 1987 or whatever fucking year it is. And it always goes up. Every year it goes up. At oh, least yeah. a couple. It's slippery always rocks. You slip. And then the yeah. one of those currents gets you. And you are floating upside down, sir. Yeah, I could swim to save my life. But that's about it. You know what I mean? That's weird. I don't know. Anyway. A mystery. But then she throws herself in the river. She drowns. She goes up to heaven. And she is denied access to heaven uh, for what she did to her children. And she is banished to purgatory. Which is basically the... How did they get this part of the story? <laughs> the, the heaven part? Uh, an angel came How, Okay, them. all right, all right, all right. An angel wrote so, this part so of Wikipedia. This, out of everything about like, I don't know, this is going to be the sticking point? <laughs> no, this no. is the part where the fantasy falls apart? Is this really... <laughs> I need you to suspend reality <laughs> for a minute. This is the part where Bubble Fett don't make no sense. <laughs> Actually, one of the things that I saw was that St. Peter said that she can come back Once when she, she finds her, her kids. Yeah. yeah, so that's the thing. So she was banished to purgatory to find her children to bring him because she they, she kind of gets tripped up you know like hey where are your kids at you died there's three people to die but i only see you where are your children at and so i guess she makes up all these excuses and as punishment um she wasn't allowed to go back to to heaven or hell she was just like yeah. you're banished to purgatory basically to live between the spirit world and the you know the real world and you need to find your children before you can be granted access to the gates of heaven and so the story goes is um if you are, you know, out late at night and you are by a body of water, you know, whether it be a river or whether it be a lake, you will hear the cries of a woman weeping for her children. <laughs> Missy Holes. Yes, saying Missy Holes. And if you hear those cries. You say, uh, no speak of Spaniards. <laughs> <laughs> if you hear those cries. You are, you know, you are, you start to experience some bad luck in your life over the weeks and years and whatnot. And if you're a child, she will try to kidnap you yep. and kill you to take you up to the afterlife. Because she don't need your actual body. She doesn't need your earthly body. She needs your fucking soul. Soul, baby. So, and one of the things that I saw is that evidently, if you hear her up close, she's far away. But if you hear her somewhere off in the distance, she's right fucking there. Ooh. Which is a trip. Uh, because it, it creates a, this false sense of security. It's like, okay, I can run. I can. You have to go in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you think you've got time, you oh, don't. you're out of time. And what's crazy is, as I was listening to, as I do all my spectacular research, is by listening to other podcasts. <laughs> and it wasn't that very many podcasts that talked about it, but there was a series uh, that was done by Univision, and um, the bulk of the <laughs> series it talked about you know people's experiences with La Llorona. Yeah. And you know, a lot of them are different, of course. And, you know, it always is, you know, hey, when we were children, we were playing down in the river, you know, it started to turn um, dark and we just kept playing. You know, we were kids. We didn't give a shit. And all of a sudden, you know, there would be like a mist of smoke and then we would see this woman in white and then we just saw her uncontrollably crying and we would go up to her. Again, this is across the board. Right. And as soon as we went up to her, you know, like, you know, something bad would happen to us. You know, a friend would drown or, so, you know, some misfortune would happen to one of them. Or on our way back, you know, we would get hit by a car or, you know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just like, go ahead, open up your I'm Pacific pouring one for the get, homies that get drowned. Get Pacific on, man. Salud. There you go. Salud. Right. And so they, they would always have, like, these, um, these tales. And then those who didn't have, you know, immediate misfortune would always have, you know, you know misfortune throughout their lives. Right. Uh, the big one, well, actually, one of the ones that I, I found most interesting was there was a, I found a story of a guy who was saying that, um, again, of course, this never happens to you know, especially shit like this. It never happens to the guy that's telling the story, but he knows someone who was abusive to his family, and he goes out one night, and this is uh, this was supposed to be, I guess, thirty or forty years ago. So he goes out in his car in the middle of the night and goes driving whatnot, and um, he gets stopped like because he, he thinks he hit a woman dressed in all white. 
and he hears screaming, wailing, and he's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Fucking gets out of the car, and La Llorona just approaches him, never never loses her veil, right? Uh, comes towards, her, towards him screaming, and then stops long enough to say, uh, in Spanish, uh, I usually take children, but if you keep abusing your family, I'll come back for you. Damn. And then she was gone. So, like, that's that was uh, one of the fucking trippy fucking stories. And that one is was interesting to me because uh, it was, you know, a little bit of hearsay. But evidently, it was an account by an actual adult saying mm-hmm. that they saw it. Most of the time, it's, it is it is kids Children, yeah. that are, you know, acting a fool or whatever the fuck. And that, and that is, like, one of the primary purposes of the story is it's supposed to be, like, don't stay out late. You know what I mean? Don't go fucking around. You know what I mean? You, you, you might get that trap pregnant fucking like you don't it might take you who knows you know you don't want either one you know it's <laughs> you know funny i hadn't even thought about this so right now but um my dad used to always tell me the story about my grandpa that one time he was coming home he had you know kids at home and he was out with his friends drinking at a bar till really late and he was walking home they they actually still live in mexico okay so they're he was walking home right and he was like kind of by this like abandoned road because you know roads in mexico aren't like fucking walking down yeah 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 trucks in here you're walking down some fucking dirt road so he was walking down some dirt road and it follows this little river and he said that he saw like this like beautiful woman dressed in white so he wanted to approach her because my grandpa was kind of a douche <laughs> so um <laughs> just trying to get wet baby he just kind of you know just get a little swagger you know get his fucking yep so uh he approaches this uh beautiful woman and as he he got really close to her she turned around and he, he said you know it's my grandpa's word I don't know if I believe him all the way around, but <laughs> he said that when she turned around, her face was like a fucking skeleton. Mm-hmm. And so that's a story that my dad always told me. And like, I guess I kind of believe him. I'll take him for his word. But he had been drinking that night. So, I mean. <laughs> and I'll say this, too. Like, um, some of some of that stuff, like, is real. Like, I remember when you would, you had moved to San Antonio for a time. You, you that's the other story I was going to tell you guys. Yeah. Yeah, so go ahead. So, yeah, okay, so when I used to live in San Antonio, um, anytime I went to school or anytime I went, and if you go into the, the main city, because I technically live right outside in uh, Kirby, Texas, which is like maybe if, if it would be the equivalent of living in Oildale. To, it's a suburb. Yeah, so it's like right yeah. outside of San Antonio, the main, the, the big city. So um, the the road that I would take to get into to like downtown San Antonio was uh, Houston. Houston turned into... Uh, a road called Woman Hollering Creek. Oh wow! And that's a little on the nose. Very, <laughs> like, yeah, very descriptive. <laughs> Holy shit! So, uh, Woman Hollering Creek was everyone. You can't go five seconds in San Antonio without people telling you every haunted location in there. People like fucking love the fact that things are haunted in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. The Alamo, all the missions around there, Woman Hollering Creek, mm-hmm. the haunted railroads. But that's the one I cross all the time. And every time I was on that fucking road, I was petrified i was afraid that i was gonna look to the left or to the right and i was gonna see someone sitting in my passenger seat or someone outside my window but the, the legend goes that same thing the classic la llorona story except that people would see a woman with a horse head uh, like off in the side of the the road and then sometimes they would be inside their passenger seat as you would just drive by or they would stand right in the middle until like you try to sorb around them or something um, it was terrifying. That was yeah. the, one of those things where you fucking like get inside your own head and you start fucking with yourself. Because I never saw anything, but it fucked with me every yeah. time I was yeah, on that you road. Always felt like there was something right there. Yeah. You know what that fucking was, man? There was some fucking city planner whose kid just wasn't getting anymore, <laughs> and so finally just made it happen. And he kept sneaking bu- out at night. He's like, "All right, that's it. I'm gonna name a street that, called Woman Hollow Road." And, but he didn't didn't tell anything to the kid and says, "Look at that. Look at that fucking street name. Why would they name the street name? They no one's gonna lie. That's a fucking city. City's not gonna lie to you." <laughs> But yeah, I mean every um, every town has like its its, its version of this go um, the story of La Llorona. and I was thinking I was just like I was at work and I was thinking about this and I was like you know what's crazy like this the, we live here in Bakersfield which is you know in Aslan or whatever in Southwest United States it this is very old land that was mm-hmm. inhabited by you know ancient indians and you think about you know like a lot of stuff too it talked about like the trail of tears and whatnot you know it you talk about cortez coming over and slaughtering the aztecs and whatnot 
you know, that's some heavy shit. You know, whether you're you, you're you're living in a fantasy world with pet cemetery, like this, basically um, a movie about you know pets being buried, you know, in ancient Indian burial grounds or whatever. But that shit's not to be fucked with because there's a lot that can be said with you know bad spirits and bad energy. And um, that podcast that I was listening to was talking about you know what the people that you know La Llorona is attracted to is the people that give off these vibrations, these negative vibrations. So. Um, cause some of these people, they were, they didn't, you know, they didn't know about the story of La Llorona until later on in life, you know, when they're like, yeah, that's why you saw something in the river because you were messing around with La Llorona. I'm like, what, 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 what was that? And then, you know, then, you know, their parents would tell them the tale. And so they were ignorant of it, but it was like, you know, there was always some negative energy going on in their home. Like, you know, the parents were fighting or, you know, the brother or sister was involved with like, you know, the occult or witchcraft or whatnot. And it's just like that negative energy is attracted to other negative energy. And she says, one of the things you got to realize is, you know, and he goes, and it's not just specific to, you know, the La Llorona legend or whatever, you know, ghosts and, and you know, demons and whatnot. They're, they're going to be attracted to those things. But to ward yourself from that is you have to present yourself as, hey, I respect what you are, but I send you love. So whatever you have to do, and she was ta- she was telling these people, you know, she was a median, I believe, and she says, hey, you know, if you encounter this again, what you need to be like, hey, I recognize, you know, the pain that you're going through, but I send you love. And she said, hey, you need to forgive yourself. I don't know how you're going to tell a ghost this, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but forgive me, ghost. No, not forgive me, um, but, but you need you, to forgive you yourself. Forgive yourself yeah. yeah, for what you've done. And I mean, I grew up very, you know, religious and it goes along with that, too. Like, I always tell the tale about, you know, the house that we moved into, you know, it was for all intents and purposes, it was possessed by demons, in my opinion. And the only way that that house, you know, became unpossessed is we had to just keep inviting, you know, good spirits and good energy, just keep good, good stuff going in there. And it goes along with that that notion that, you know, evil can't survive or feed off of, you know, your fears and that's why i always say too you know i go into a scary movie and i'm not not scared you know that shit doesn't affect me because it actually makes me laugh you know because i know it's quote unquote not real yeah but it affects people who vibrate within that negativity you know i've been i've been uh uh lately doing a little bit of just just for myself just kind of research on kind of greek mythology and just a little bit of dabbling into other mythologies in general yeah and one of the things that i'm learning is that a lot of these myths you know like, like we we get the idea that that a lot of like in other cultures, gods or or uh, uh, these these heroes or these whatever, they come to explain different things, like you know the sun and the moon or the oceans or the movement of the stars or you know what I mean. But a lot of these stories about the heroes and their their great uh, um, acts or you know the tragedies that befall them for their you know bo- you know because they're fucking around. Uh, a lot of it is is. It's it's a tool um, created by that culture to help kind of propagate what they believe is proper activity within you mm-hmm. know. Um, so it's it's not just about like the the stars and the moon and all this stuff. It can also be well, you know, Hercules you know did these things and you know he was just a man, but you know he he faced his fears and he went forward. We as a people can do the same thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason put his his and the Argonauts put his faith in the gods and he was tested, you know and. He had, you know, he lost, fuck, he lost Hercules on a fucking island, you know, and um, had all this doubt, but he came back. And so there's a lot of things, you know, we can do the same thing when, when, you know, we're abandoned, we act a certain way, right? It's inspiration. It translates very specifically to hierarchies within, you know, that particular culture or how, what's considered to be uh, uh, proper action, Mm. proper uh, behavior within those cultures. And uh, I think La Llorona and, and, and just kind of that talk in general, the, the positive and that negative vibe, it's, it's a lot of the same thing, you know? a lot of that same idea that, you know, these things are going to be drawn to your negativity and whether we're taking that absolutely seriously and we're saying that, you know what I mean, I need to to provide positive vibes and if I provide positive vibes, then I'm going to receive positive vibes. If I put out negative vibes, well, then La Llorona is going to come through the door or, you know, I'm going to get all sorts of spirits or I'm going to get, you know, Mm -hmm. all sorts of negativity in my life. I mean, in psychology, that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know what yeah. I mean? That's that's a way of saying, you know, that that you you're going to reap what you sow. You need to live a certain life if you want life to reciprocate those things to you. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like Arona is a very it's it's a very literal translation of something like that. You know what I mean? These you know she goes out late at night and she kidnap kidnaps 
kid naps kids. <laughs> so kids fucking kid don't stay out lit. Yeah, right. Fucking it's right on the fucking nose, man. Very, li- <laughs> very fucking literal. But I, I, so I think that that's also another, not just for you, like I don't know, but but for a lot of these uh, stories in general, um, it, it's also kind of a commentary on how we're supposed to live and how we should be acting and you know putting out those positive vibes into the universe and to each other. I love you guys. I love you guys so much. Very positive, Eric. Thank you very I much. I love the positive vibes tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm glad you brought up like the Greek mythologies and whatnot, but. Um, because again, this this goes yep. into yep. how Mexican this story is. Is it's not a unique story to you know Mexico or Southwest United States. Can you believe the Mexicans stole it? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you you look at Mexico as basically uh, you know a land that was inhabited by indigenous people. Yep. You know the Aztecs and whatnot. The Rasas. Yeah, and so um, one of the inspirations that they think you know this came from was a lady called. Oh, I'm gonna butcher the fuck out of this name. Uh, Laman Malin Malinet Malin. Let me see. Malinche. Malinche. La Malinche. La Malinche. I know a lot about La Malinche. La Malinche is the woman that. Oh. Uh, although she was Mexican, she turned her back on her people. No, she was indigenous, so she was Aztec. And... Oh, she was Aztec, but she still turned her back on her people. And she yeah. was with Cortez, right? Yeah, she that's, was. Cortez. That's like one of those yeah. slang things that you call a, a Mexican person that doesn't acknowledge the fact that they're Mexican. Yeah, basically a whitewashed Mexican. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Basically, call them white. Oh, a coconut. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Brown on the outside, white on the coconut, inside. Coconut Oreo cookie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, and so the story with her goes is she. Um, <laughs> She was an indigenous woman, and when Cortez came over to basically take over Mexico, um, you know, he, he didn't did just do it with fire and blood or whatever, like fucking uh, Daenerys uh, Targaryen. <laughs> <laughs> with dragons and shit. No, he kind of he had to subsur- subvert the people, you know, basically, you know, like, like a lamb to slaughter or whatever. You got to um, think that, you know, the lamb, you know, is being loved and cared for, but then, hey, I'm going to cut your throat and eat your yep. meat for birria. Um, so basically, he did that with indigenous people. So um, La Malinche, <laughs> she was she was um, given to uh, Cortez as a present, uh, basically a, a prostitute, basically, and um, he used her basically to um, be a translator between himself and you know the indigenous people, and so kind of like um, you know La Llorona or Maria, you know from the yep. tale or whatever, she fell in love with him he fell in love with her and he was basically her side piece and you know he him being of royal descent or whatever or noble descent or whatever that was very frowned upon so he had to keep her you know in the background and the story goes is he or she bore the first mestizo you know the mixed blood child an indigenous child with spanish blood children so basically the first quote-unquote mexican child and now here two and a half of us are today yes (laughs) hell yeah man and so um (laughs) Eventually, though, you know, he threw her to the side or whatever and started to ignore that child. And, you know, she was very heartbroken that he would do that, you know, because he had to marry an actual Spanish noble woman. So and then she started acting out and doing all sorts of crazy shit. And like Art said, you know, turned her back on her people. So, yeah, became that, you know, villainous person. Right. And I mean, the specifics of that story are, you know, hearsay, maybe, maybe not. You know, it could have been exaggerations, you know, big fucking game of you know, multi-century telephone, mm. but uh, La Malinche was an actual, is was a person, like like she Real. was the mistress to Cortez, um, who was the Spanish conquistador, you know what I mean? And so this is uh, a story that, like so many others that we've gone over, is based in reality, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And no, she's not coming back and haunting everyone, but, you know, like you said, um, it's, it's she she does well kill her kids you know what i mean and and so it, it's it's uh, a piece of the story yeah um one of the other stories that i, I saw was uh with uh, lilith yep i wrote that down as well uh lilith is actually basically uh the jewish eve mm-hmm. and adam and eve it was actually the first depending on what you know biblical scholar yeah. you go the first wife of adam yeah who was made um at the same time as adam because the story goes in the bible in the christian bible that Eve was made from the rib of adam but lilith was created at the same time from the same clay from the same clay same clay as adam yeah and in a lot of the stories at least from my understanding you know if if there's anyone you know anyone that's jewish you know don't i this is what i'm understanding fucking um lilith basically is a a demon at this point Mm -hmm. because of how she turns her back on um adam and on uh, the garden of eden and how she 
another man, but it's it's a an archangel. Uh, an art, yeah, right, right. Uh, Samuel was that right? Samuel, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, the same thing. She she turns her back on. Uh, um, I totally just blanked. <laughs> so basically, she betrays Adam or whatnot, you know, because she doesn't want to be subservient to Adam. And so basically, you know, God banishes her because at that point she becomes a fallen angel at that point and she becomes a demon because that's all a demon is. It's basically yeah. a fallen angel. And um, her story goes in, you know, Jewish lore is that she is a child snatcher. You know, she goes out late at night and she just, you know, snatches your kids up. And her name in uh, Hebrew uh, text basically translates to night creature or night monster. Um, night hag, night screech. Those were night other creature. other great, you know, fucking... Um, Fucking great names for Lilith. I also saw that that <laughs> banshee banshees are yes. also like another variation mm-hmm. because because banshees are wailing, and when you hear a banshee's wail, at the lower end of the spectrum, you know if you're lucky, you're gonna have a lot of bad luck. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a very good chance if you hear a banshee's wail, it's already too late, and you are fucking dead in horrific manners. Again, based upon who you hear the stories from mm-hmm. and then that's that's the irish version of it and then there's also like scottish gaelic versions where you know it's the bainay um and then there's the conic and it's basically like wailing women in white and which is yeah. not an uncommon story like in german uh folklore there's there's always like the woman in white yeah um and japan you have the yuris which is also a woman in white that cries um, and they're all sor- um, in sorrow over, you know, like a lost child or um, some kind of betrayal. And they have they're stuck basically in this afterworld um, to, you know, avenge or, you know, to make right what they what happened in the previous life. Right. And I mean, this this none of them are the exact same story, but they're all pieces that all kind of get stitched together once they all get to Mexico, which makes total sense. And when you add in. Uh, uh, La Malinche, which is, you know, the, adds in the the total, like, heartbroken by the the jilted mm-hmm. lover, you know, and all of that stuff, you get, you start to get the entire story. And it totally makes sense because, you know, a lot of people don't realize that Mexico was, like, a total tapestry of different cultures, mm-hmm. especially from, from Western Europe. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, we're drinking Pacifico right now. Um, Mexican beers are all loggers, you know, for the most part, because of German settlers. Mm-hmm. Dos Equis is supposed to be, from, by, uh, was originally created by a German brewmaster who immigrated from, well, Germany, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, which is also why, you know, a lot of like North North American, uh, not North American, uh, Northeastern beers are ales. Those are a lot of English descent, you know, mm-hmm. or, or kind of that area. Um, but like I also, uh, uh, Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera, who are considered, you know, Arguably, you know, one and two, you know, put in the position, the two greatest painters in Mexican history. Frida Kahlo's father was German. And uh, Diego Rivera, um, his you his know, family, I, there's a specific term for it, but his family basically was a Jewish to Catholic conversion. And so it's, it's not a totally, you know, even it's something that, you know, mm-hmm. that's so totally fucking ubiquitously Mexican as Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera, um, even their past is from... Uh, 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 immigrants, descent. immigrants, immigrants, uh, uh, descent. You know, you know that's I mean? why a lot of Mexican music, even now, has a lot of tubas and a lot of accordions, accordions. because it's it's a polka. Know, yeah, it comes from that polka, the German polka descent. So mm-hmm. still then, used today. It's, yeah. it's very Mexican now. We see it all the time with cowboy hats and pointy boots and dudes with trombones and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and tubas and plain. Well, not only that, like the mariachi, like the whole mariachi getup, that is like basically like their version or their take of, you know, like that traditional like later hosen and whatnot. Yeah. You know, they're not obviously they're not wearing like the shorts and like the weird hat or the clogs or whatnot, but they, they're they wearing some, you know, form of that, like the design or whatnot. I remember going to, um, oh shit, at Disneyland. What's the mountain? Uh, where, Matterhorn. The Matterhorn, right. And you see like all these like things on there and you're like, wow, that looks really Mexican. And then you realize you're like, oh yeah, no, that's because of German settlers that came through Mexico. Right. And then that bled over into like the mariachis and whatnot. And then of course you've got the Spanish blood, which is, well, Spanish people are white people. You know, mm. a lot of people don't, <clears throat> it, it surprised me like in, in general conversation, I realized this in college and it's kind of like this ongoing experiment that I have where I, I kind of subtly toss in about, you know, Spaniards being white. And a lot of people like they know, but they 
doesn't click. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because Spaniards speak Spanish, and mm-hmm. Spanish speakers, you know, here and especially here in you know Southern California specifically, but you know all in the states, Oaxaca Spanish looking. speakers are fucking brown. You know what I mean? <laughs> whether they whether they be you know uh, uh, Mexican or Dominican or Cuban mm-hmm. or you know uh, Central American, South American, whatever, we're all fucking brown. But the language, you know, the the motherland of the motherland is fucking a bunch of white people. You want to know? I, I will say this though: Lisp. like when you see somebody like that's of Spanish descent, you you do see like a lot of white qualities in them, but they are like a different type of white. And the reason yeah. for that is because Spain was an area that was conquered by like the Moors and by the Turkish and whatnot. So mm-hmm. you do have like a lot of Arabic blood. You do have a lot of you know, you know, African blood basically for all intents and purposes. So that's why you get like even you, even in the language. Like I'm glad you bring up the Arabic part of it, but like. People like even like the the phrase like ojalá, which mm-hmm. you would you would say like oh I hope so, you know. Mm-hmm. Mexican uh-huh. people just say it nonstop. Really, it's an Arabic word that's saying like if God allows it, uh-huh. uh, Allah being God, you say God, God. In, in Arabic. So it's just you know all that verbiage gets like tangled in there with like the the Arabic background that Spaniards um, adopted, and then the Spaniards come into Mexico. You still have it. You still mm-hmm. you know my mom says it all the time. You know, Mexican people say. That stuff all the time. And the architecture, those like dome architectures that mm-hmm. you see, that's all Arabic. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's all there, man. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of this stuff. And, and I, I find it amazing that a lot of people, because, again, this was another thing that, that I thought, uh, not that I thought, that I came across. But uh, I remember when I was in college, there was this little guy that came in and he was this short. He he was maybe. You can say it. His name's Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> he was maybe. I'm the shortest one out of all you guys, huh? <laughs> Are you? Maybe. Oh, I think you might five be. Eight? Yeah. Yeah. 5'10 oh, five ish. 5'9, five 5'10. Nine, five five nine. You gotta like be 5'10. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, there was this little guy who used to come in. He was maybe wow, five, five foot. <laughs> um, he was You're maybe. the widest one. You're the shortest one. That's crazy. Wow, that is fucking crazy. Normally, we're because because <laughs> Art and I, giant. Jer- I, I was gonna say Art and I are fucking giants for us, man. You know what I mean? We're huge yeah. for Mexicans. <laughs> El desperado. <laughs> but uh, so we, I used to. This guy would come in. And he was maybe five foot. He didn't speak any English, and he was fucking dark, 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 dark. Um, and then this other Mexican guy comes in. He's obviously got a lot of Spanish blood. Mm-hmm. And uh, I made an offhanded comment about you know the the Mexican and the raza, you know, mm-hmm. that, that had walked in. And the people I was working with, like, what are you, what are you fucking talking about? Well, that dude still got a bunch of, you know, Aztec blood or you know whatever fucking that dude's, you know, predominantly, mm-hmm. you know, Spanish. You know what I mean? At least I don't know about their histories, but at least you know the genes that are being expressed. And they couldn't wrap their minds about the around the fact that you know aren't Mexicans just Mexicans and that's it and not that's a real all race? Yeah, yeah. It's not you know, and, and it's like well, you know, it was. A melting pot before the U.S. You know what I mean? Uh, In a lot of ways, it's a purer form of a melting pot than the U.S. Because the U.S., I feel like you look at it like everybody tries to segregate themselves. Like no matter what race you are, like no one really tries to be, uh, you know, incorporated. You know? I think now those lines are starting to blur. Now, well, after yeah, like but... 300 years. But like you look at Mexico, though. Well, like, OK, so here's the thing. Before you talk about Mexico, Mexican people will hate darker skinned Mexican people. Oh, yeah. That's true. So it's like, it's not like there's some happy melting pot. And it reciprocates, though, as well, because if you go back to uh, La Malinche, like, (laughs) you know, they they hate her. You know, I guess some uh, Mexican college students, like, wanted to have her, or they did get her statue, like, taken down. And, um, like you said, you know, she did turn her back on her people, so rightfully so. But and you know, I did learn about how I learned about Aslan to begin with was uh, listening to the history of Omecha, which was, you know, something Chicano. I don't remember. Oh, someone's going to be pissed off at me. But they had this big thing about what is the definition of a Chicano? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the specific subset of the Mexican American. And then, you know, people that are saying, well, we need to take Chicano out of Mecha's name because. Now we have Salvadorians and Guatemalans and all this other stuff, yeah. and they're not—they're not even fuck Chicano. They're not even Mexican. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And this big uproar. So yeah, there is there is a lot of you know uh, within the fucking uh, uh, framework a lot of built-in segregation. But but still, at the same time, you know, compared to the U.S. and the way that people you know have kind of cordoned themselves off. You know what I mean? I think like the Pennsylvania Dutch are a fucking great example. The Pennsylvania Dutch are not from Holland; they're German. Yeah, but the but the the white people that were here already couldn't say Deutsch, so they became Dutch. You know what I mean? That's why. <laughs> and to this day in Pennsylvania, there's I think there's like five, uh, uh, all German newspapers in the Pennsylvania region that specifically cater to Honest. the Pennsylvania Dutch. You know what I mean? 
Um, and then you get like into Minnesota and all that, and you get all that Norwegian blood. You know, they basically, I don't know Vikings. why they, yeah, I don't yeah, know why they're, they're super Viking down. Well, because Shout they, out Charles Wicca. <laughs> they went up there, they got up there and they were just like, Hey, this is just like home. It's fucking cold and terrible in the, yeah. in the winter. I'm loving it here. You know what I mean? But they, they stay there. There isn't a whole lot of like, as far as I'm aware, the biggest like, uh, uh, racial ethnic movement. Um, that happened, you know, by by choice. You know, there's plenty of ethnic movement that happened, you know, against people's wills. But yeah, the biggest one is I I still don't know how the fuck all those Mexicans got up to Chicago. I don't fucking understand it. And, but because they skipped a whole lot of land in between yeah. between uh, Texas and Chicago, there's not a whole lot of us. But anyway, I don't know. I got no answer for that either. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's the deep dish pizza. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> Spicy food, deep dish pizza. That's it. But all of that's yeah. Oh, yeah. that's sausage, spicy sausage. Oh, that sausage. Hey, Jordan. Hey, Michael Jordan. Polish sausage and Mexican sausage are essentially the same. Thing. Hey, in, in in somewhere from Chicago or Illinois in that area, someone tell us: Do fucking are Mexicans like in your like German or Italian restaurants the way they are here in our Chinese and Korean restaurants? <laughs> like, <laughs> so like, true. do you just have the one dude in the front that's in the face? That, that's just. The, I used to go to this noodle bar in uh, uh, Northridge. And the little old lady, you can you could not understand her fucking uh, uh, Chinese accent. Could not fucking like she'd take your order, all this stuff. Finally, get it out. It was always an ordeal. And then she would go to the back and she'd start yelling at the cooks. And it'd be like, did I? I recognize that, but no, that wasn't English. No, did she just? No, no, I didn't. It took me a couple of times of getting there to realize that she was taking our orders in very, very fucking uh, uh, broken and. Uh, uh, in very broken English, and then she was going right back, and she was yelling at all her cooks in very broken Spanish because everyone in the back was fucking Mexican. Damn, it was amazing. It was a Chinese restaurant. Chinese restaurant with a Chinese makes fucking sense. woman. You know what I mean? Maybe some, that's the, some of the best Chinese restaurants I've ever eaten at are like Mexican cooks back there. So. Yeah, well, fucking, uh, they can do it all. Fucking uh. drywall, fucking <laughs> Chinese food. <laughs> Jesus Christ! This this place here in town, Teriyaki Bowl. The one by work, you don't even get like the Asian person in front. Everyone is Mexican from the front to the back. Like they don't oh, yeah, even put Gloria. up the front. Yeah, Gloria is taking order. They don't put up the fucking they front. They don't put like like Mexican and Mexicans to try to trick you at the front. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> put the put the thing on your eyes so you look all chinita. Okay, come on. Okay, yeah. Um, anyway, all of this is to say that La Llorona is really just this kind of quilted together beautiful story that is just. The romantic and wonderful and beautiful offspring of the melting of cultures in a manner that really just shows that it doesn't matter what what the color of your skin is. It doesn't matter what God that you you pray to. It doesn't matter where you came from. We can all come together and we can all create something truly wonderful and beautiful to scare the shit out of our kids. Fuck yeah. That was beautiful, Eric. Thank you. Yeah. Thank so, you. I it wasn't you know what? I am just I'm just reciprocating what the world has given me. Yeah. I'm reciprocating that positivity. Yeah. With that said, we'll probably give some shout outs at the very end. <laughs> shout out Elizabeth Jackman. Shout out Elizabeth Warren. Do you shout guys have anything else? Is that it? Is that really? I, I mean, I really don't got nothing else. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you guys don't have That was a fucking... beautiful way to end it. I don't even know if we should <laughs> yeah. try to top that. That was just yeah. beautiful. Right, yeah, then. that's the cherry on it. All right, then. Perfect. Uh, sh- shout out Fightback CBD. Um, yeah. Go to fightbackcbd.com to get your... CBD supplies. They use the best labs in America. Eric, you got anything else? Yeah, they use a third-party labs. Fightback CBD uses third-party labs to test all of their materials to make sure it is of the highest purity. Their uh, CBD is 100% organic, 100% THC-free, and uh, is only put into the most essential of oils. You know what I mean? This is not going to be alcohol-based, so there's not even a chance that you're going to... Uh, have any concerns of giving it to your kids if there's any sorts of problems with epilepsy or whatnot. And they're currently working on uh, vape cartridges. So, you know, this is a small batch made in the U.S., tested in the U.S., right out of Texas. I recently know? started putting it in my tea. I love it. I want to shout out Alex, who was on our Game of Thrones episode. I gave her a bottle of some Fightback CBD, and apparently it is working yep. great for yep. her. So shout out to them for That's helping right. her out. Yesterday, uh, Elizabeth, um, she sprained her ankle pretty fucking badly. And so, you know, she's on various pain medications. Um, they didn't want to give her the good stuff just yet because it's scheduled to. And, you know, they have to get all sorts of approval. We got it now, but we didn't have it last night. You know what I mean? <laughs> so last night I gave her some of my CBD. And you know what? 
she looks at me and she goes, you know what? I'm not, I'm not totally sold. You know, I mean, maybe it is, maybe it's not, but I don't know. Then she takes it. She looks at me five minutes later. I feel so much better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that ankle. Did she take the uh, the night one? The she took the night one later in the night. Okay. And she did sleep very well. One of the best things is when you wake up the next morning, you're like, oh my god, I'm so. I took it last night. I felt so rested this morning. Yep. Yeah. Felt amazing. So the Fight Back CBD night formula is the same thing, except it's got lavender, chamomile, and melatonin in it to help you get that restful night sleep that you need, that Amen. all of us need, oh so desperately. Amen. You can also please uh, go to notdeadyetapparel.com. They uh, do a lot of great stuff. They put a lot of their proceeds towards, depending on, on the product line you go to, to different issues, uh, human trafficking, uh, breast cancer awareness, so on and so forth. Um, and at notdeadyetapparel.com, if you use code EBCastillo at checkout, you can get 10% off uh, of all of your gear, whether it be street clothes, jujitsu gear, weightlifting gear, whatever you need, um, shirts, hats, spats, all of it. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Art and Jacob Do America. Like the page, subscribe to the page. You can join the group. You know what I mean. Uh, you know, put in some topic suggestions. You know, enjoy some of the funny memes. Uh, you know, Elizabeth Jackman is fucking active on the. Actually, I think Elizabeth might be more active than any of the three of us on our fucking <laughs> group page. Uh, but it's not her name. You gotta figure it out. Oh, it's, that could be the new game. Which who's Elizabeth Jackman? Um, where can they find you, Art? Robots versus robots on Instagram.com. <laughs> and I am basically the Art Jacob Do America Instagram. So if you have any questions, and I, I'm the one that's gonna, you're going to be talking to. You can also find me at EB Castillo the First. That is EB as in Ben Castillo the First with the number one. You can also get a hold of any of us at Art and Jacob Do America at gmail.com. All three of us have access to that one. If you, you know, tr- want to try to circumvent De- Jacob, I don't know, man. He's kind of shady sometimes. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, I'm an asshole. <laughs> and also, too, uh, make sure you check us out on YouTube. Uh, go to Our Jacob Do America on YouTube. Subscribe. Uh, we're live pretty much every Sunday. We are live right now. It doesn't matter what time you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. Right now, at this very second, we just wait, keep wait. the webcam on 24 hours a day. Look at your watch right now. We're yeah, live. right now we're live. Uh, like and subscribe. Give us a five star review on our uh, podcast, and tell your mama you boo boo too. Oh, nice! I was kind of thinking you were gonna miss that. Yeah. So well, that's it, everybody. Have a good night, and don't stay out too late. Right? Don't get no your ass inside. Get your ass inside and listen to your kids. Get they your know better. I will leave that. Go to sleep. Yeah. Stay away from the goddamn water. At night, okay. <laughs> Be good out there. Bye. Para la quebradita Y la chona se mueve Al ritmo que le toquen Ella baila de todo Nunca pierde su trote